0: Right now, though, Tony Dungy, that's Football Night in America analyst, obviously former Colts head coach. Coverage of Chiefs and Chargers begins this Sunday night, Football Night in America, 7 o'clock on NBC and Peacock, and the coach joins us right now. Tony, always good to hear your voice, especially in this market. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's good to be with you. And all of a sudden, things are getting interesting in the NFL. <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> loses, Philadelphia loses, Colts win. <laughs> it's fun.
2: Let me tell you something, Coach. I, You know, I was thinking to myself, well, we do this show from 7 to 10. We probably could just say to Tony Dungy at 7.02, hey, what's going on with the Colts? And then come back and pick things up at 10, right? I mean, it's yeah. been a loaded week for us.
1: Crazy. I, I've not experienced anything like this Um it's just uh, hard to to perceive, but I'll tell you, the team responded very, very well last week, and hopefully we can keep it going again this week.
2: Coach, when you look at, you know, you were obviously part of this organization and saw it from the inside, and I was just telling Kevin, to me it's it's fascinating because with you and, and Bill Polian, two men who had already very solidified resumes before you arrived in Indianapolis, and since then Jim Irsay has often had pl- – people in those roles, that it was their first opportunity here in Indianapolis. Does that change the dynamic between owner and those working underneath them and the level of, I guess, power that they could have to not have to fall underneath what the owner wants or says?
1: I don't think so. I think it all depends on on personality. And I'll tell you, when I was there, Jim was great to work with and work for. Uh, We had conversations regularly. Uh, He shared his input. We shared ideas, Bill and Jim and I, and and we moved forward. Uh, I'm assuming it's that way, and I'm assuming that uh, Jeff has done the same thing, uh, just just the way I did when when I first got there. So it's hard to say. Jim has an idea of what he wants to do, though, and and I I can tell you um, he – When he gets those ideas, he's got a very strong opinion about it. He thought Jeff was the best man for the job at this point in time, and he pulled the trigger and made that decision. In 2002, which was 20 years ago, he called me the same way. He said, you're the guy I want. I'm not talking to anybody else. Uh, You're the guy I want. I want to put something together like the Steelers had. I want to be part of the community. We've got to get things going. We've got the things that you bring. That's what I want. And he, he had a very strong opinion about that. And, and that's just the way he is.
0: It's Tony Dungy. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I want to go back to a week ago Monday, Tony, if you don't mind, and um, just your initial reaction when you heard the Frank Reich news and then a few hours later when you heard the Jeff Saturday news.
1: Well, I was shocked about the, the Frank news because I just felt like the team was still in it. Uh, this has been a crazy year in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, you look at a team like Green Bay was on a, on a four-game losing streak. And so things like that were going on. The Colts are right in the middle of the race. And I'm thinking, just, Frank will get this going. But once they made a decision, and I don't know why that decision was made to change. Uh, once they made the decision, then you start thinking, okay, well, who is going to take over? Who is Jim going to get? Uh, you look at people on the staff, and that, that could work. But – Jeff, the more I thought about it, it was really kind of logical. He had been with the organization for a long time. He had been with Frank in training camp. He knew the offense. Uh, He knew the terminology. There's very few people you could get from the outside that would have that, and he had this relationship with Jim. Uh, He's a guy who was a leader. He could galvanize the locker room, and the offensive line was the one unit that was underperforming, so who better than just Saturday to maybe re-energize that offensive line. So at first you say, this is this is weird, this is crazy, but then the more you really thought about it, it made sense.
2: Tony Dungy is our guest, of course, Football Night in America. He is the analyst there on NBC. Tony, to me, the thing that I, I just can't get out of my head is – In terms of the coaching change in Jeff Saturday, I agree with what you said that there are areas there where that makes sense. And I, like most, who doesn't love Jeff Saturday, right? He's a very likable and believing in guy. But I keep going back to Tony, and I want your thought on it. I don't know why they went to Sam Ellinger when they did, and I felt like that put them in a serious hole in the season that now they are having to make up for because they're behind the eight ball based on a peculiar decision to me that really didn't have much sense other than the owner wanted to see what a young guy could do. Your thoughts.
1: I, what I didn't understand, I could see turning to Sam Ellinger, what I didn't understand was when they said uh, Matt Ryan is going to not play the rest of the year, that Sam is going to be the quarterback the rest of the year. That struck me as odd because I said we, we haven't seen Sam take a snap in the NFL in a real game. How do we know how he's going to do? How can you say he's going to go forward for the rest of the year? And I think that's one of the things that Jeff brought to the table. I don't know who made the decision to put Matt back in, how that came down, but that was the thing that that sparked them and energized them uh, on Sunday. You could see that. They they were much more efficient, uh, different way of doing things, too. Matt had been sacked a lot uh, previously. Now you go into Las Vegas, and it's running the football, Play action passes, quick rhythm, taking some stress off the on- offensive line. Only one sack in the entire game against a team that has good pass rushers. So uh, a couple of things changed. They're putting Matt back in, and a little bit different rhythm on offense, and uh, it was effective.
0: Tony with uh, and Tony Dungy's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, you know, Jeff walks in the building, and you know immediately he becomes more of a CEO. As a head coach, you know Gus Bradley obviously running the defense still, and then Parks Frazier, the new play caller. That was the route that you chose as a head coach, and I'm curious why you decided that, and, and what makes you think like that is kind of the successful route to go uh, as an NFL head coach.
1: Well, there are a lot of ways to do it, and you see the guys like the Sean McVay's uh, that run the offense, and Mike Holmgren, you know, kind of started that. Bill Walsh started that. And that's a way to do it. Um, other guys on defense, Brandon Staley has done a great job with the Chargers, and he runs the defense and calls the defense. Um, but for me, I played for Chuck Noll, and he delegated. And I saw that, and I saw how he did it. That's how I grew up. I went and played one year for Bill Walsh, and Bill Walsh was a very successful Hall of Fame coach. But I felt like as a defensive player, I felt like we were the stepkids. And the, the head coach was really the offensive coordinator. Everything he did was involved the offense, and he'd stick his head in the defensive meetings occasionally. Um, so for me, I just wanted the team to know that I had my pulse, uh, my finger on the pulse of everything. I was there for everybody. Not to say my way is better. That's just the way I chose to do it. I saw Denny Green do it that way. He was very successful. Uh, Chuck Noll, Marty Schottenheimer, the guys I worked for.
2: Tony, it seems to me. And again, I want to preface, you know, like, I I mean, I really like Jim Irsay and I know fans here like Jim Irsay. So, you know, I don't want that to, to be misunderstood, but it seems to me like Jim Irsay, this particular season is almost more, as you talked about, like he has his strong convictions, right? It seems like he is, he is more vociferous of that than we have seen in years past, almost to the point of being defensive. I realize you're not in Indianapolis. But when you assess and you see the tweets and the comments and maybe even his surprise from your comments about the quarterbacking position, et cetera, two-part question, and one would be, do you have dialogue with him? And number two, am I off base in saying that it just seems like he's a little more forceful with things this year than he has been in the past?
1: Uh, yeah, he's definitely been more uh, vocal, and I, I see the comments too, and uh, he's he's into it, and he's You know, he's part of it and uh, seems like more involved in the decision-making process. I didn't see that side of Jim when I was there. We'd have the conversation. He'd have his input. He'd talk to us. Social media, I guess, is just getting bigger and and more out there now uh, than than I'm used to. But, you know, Jim is an involved owner, and he does have convictions, and uh, I I think you're seeing more of that. I, I think you're correct. Do you have
2: dialogue with them? I mean, like what's your relationship with him? And is there any chance that his level of that is crossing over into detrimental?
1: Um, I, I don't know, um, yeah, I do talk to him and I hadn't talked we don't talk every day, and I didn't talk to him at all about this decision. If I had of, I, I would have said, hey, you need to keep Frank and ride this out. You're still in, in the race. Let him turn it around. Uh, but, no, I didn't have a discussion on either of those, on letting Frank go or hiring Jeff. And the only thing I'll say is, is it detrimental or not, is if you make good decisions and they work, it's good. <laughs> right. If you don't, it's, it's, it's bad. And, and that's what I was telling people with this Jeff Saturday thing. Everybody had weighed in Oh, and this, no experience, and this is awful, and how's it going to work? You don't know. You have to wait and see, and if the decision ends up working, then then it's a good call. And that that's the bottom line. Uh, when I, I was in Pittsburgh, Dan Rooney made you know very calculated decisions. They weren't always popular. He did some uncharacteristic things. He hired young coaches. Uh, I remember when uh, our Super Bowl year, he hired Mike Tomlin. Mike was a one-year defensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings. There were four, assistant coaches on the Steelers staff at that time who were great coaches who had been there. Bruce Arians was on that staff as the quarterback coach. Ken Wisenhut, both those guys took teams to the Super Bowl. Dick LeBeau had been a longtime assistant, had been a head coach before. Uh, Russ Grimm was on that staff. And Dan went outside and hired a one-year defensive coordinator because he had conviction that that's what he wanted. People were critical at, at that time. But you know what? It worked. Do you um, believe that Jeff's had been a flop? It, it, then it maybe it- life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So long, live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new and everything in between. It's a bad decision.
2: Do you believe, Tony Dungy, that Jeff Saturday's hiring within the building is done with higher vision for his role within the franchise beyond just head coach?
1: I don't know. Uh, it it might have been. I, I really think that it was done for this interim. You had 24 hours to, to select who's going to be the best guy. Um, There aren't very many candidates that you get. You either have to hire someone on the staff or somebody who's not under contract to another NFL team. So that limits you as to who you can get. I think he felt like for this season and time, for this moment, Jeff was the best person. Uh, Eight weeks down the road, we get to the end of the year, I think he'll reevaluate. Maybe Jeff does a a great job and he sees some things in him that you, you keep going. Uh, but maybe – uh, I know at the end of the year they'll have a, a full-blown, okay, let's see what's the best thing for our franchise going forward.
0: You'll see Tony coming up this Sunday night. Again, it's Chiefs Chargers football night in America at 7 p.m. on NBC and Peacock. On the Jeff Saturday front, Tony, you know, his you know, his path to become an NFL pro bowl caliber hall of fame caliber players pretty darn remarkable his relationship with peyton manning of course is (laughs) well well documented how much do you think that background gives jeff you know some of that i don't know if instant sort of rapport with players but allowed him to walk into a building that probably not a lot of guys had a direct relationship with and clearly for one week they reacted in a um in a pretty kind of banded together manner
1: well jeff is a leader jeff is a people person. Uh, Jeff is a winner. So a lot of things that you're looking for, he had. Uh, As the offensive center, he's involved in a lot of the game planning. He's involved in a lot of the, not necessarily the play calling, but how we're going to do it. When Peyton would call, change plays at the line of scrimmage, Jeff, how are we going to block this in in two seconds, making decisions, uh, letting other people know. He's running offensive line meetings and helping other people. He's communicating with everybody. And so he had that training. He had a lot of things in place that you need um, to to be a coach. He just didn't have experience. So uh, I, I, I saw where Jim was going with it. Yes, it's unconventional, but there were a lot of things that Jeff had that people don't realize uh, that, that made him uh, an attractive candidate.
0: Tony, last one from me. Um, Jim Mersey behind the scenes certainly wanted Matt Ryan benched. He wanted him benched you know, a couple of weeks prior to it, it actually happening. In your tenure here, did Jim ever mandate playing time for you?
1: Never, never. And you know, he had his favorites. He, you know, he loved guys, and Edgerin James was his favorite player. And so that was a tough discussion. We had to to talk about: Do we redo Edgerin's contract? Do we let him become a free agent? And you know, I know his feelings about Edgerin came into that but at the end of the day it was let's do what's best for the team so we had those type of discussion but there was never a you know hey we're trading this guy or we're playing this guy uh, that just didn't it, it just didn't come up that way
2: Tony you like Jeff Saturday came into the league as an undrafted player do you think that you would have had the same coaching career? If, did that allow you to better resonate with the totality of the roster because you could relate to every guy top to bottom on the roster? And would you have been the same coach if you would have come in as you know a first-round top 15 draft pick?
1: Um, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I, I know what shaped my coaching philosophy was uh, the team that I played for and the, the coach that I played for. And uh, I did – do very, very similar to Jeff. I only played three years and I was brought back as the defensive backfield coach, to coach guys who taught me how to play. I had no experience. I had never coached before. Now I wasn't brought back as the head coach, but it was a kind of a ridiculous move at the time to hire a 25 year old uh, free agent safety man who had, you know, never coached before to coach uh, steel curtain defensive back. So, I kind of know what Jeff was going through. And uh, I think Coach Knoll hired me because I worked hard at my craft. I was a good communicator, and I studied the game. And I think you had to do that to kind of make the team as a free agent. And I think Jeff did the same thing. And people see that. People see how hard you work. People see that you're a good communicator. They see that you're a team guy. And that resonates. That resonated with Coach Knoll for me and I think it resonated for Jim Irsay with Jeff
2: lastly what do you miss most about Indianapolis and why is it country kitchen
1: Uh, (laughs) I miss some eating spots there country kitchen being one of them I I miss that walk across the uh, downtown into the the stadium I miss the RCA dome and the atmosphere there and I miss the people so uh, those relationships I think are what you miss most I wish I could get there more often
0: Tony, I'm going to sneak in one last one. I apologize, but um, as we get to this kind of head coaching carousel that will inevitably happen in early January, You think Jim Caldwell still wants to be an NFL head coach?
1: Yes, he does. I've talked to Jim, and he was in on a couple of uh, situations last year, and I I think he would enjoy that. And. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think he's at the point where he wants to come back as an offensive coordinator or quarterback coach, but I I do think he would come back as a head coach.
0: Interesting.
2: I'll tell you what, Tony, if Jeff Saturday can take some of the things that he learned from the guy he played for in Indianapolis and carry those forward as a head coach on and off the field, I think people around here will be uh, just fine with it, right? Just fine with it. But we'll see, as you said, we'll (laughs) see where things fall, right?
1: We will, and uh, I'm pulling for Jeff. I'm pulling for the Colts organization, as I said, it was – unusual, uh, but we'll see what happens, and, and we just have to judge by the results.
0: Tony, enjoy watching every Sunday night, football night in America, and thanks for making time for us on this Tuesday morning.
1: All right. Thank you, guys. Always good to talk Colts ball. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at com, and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.